Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Chris Shelby and Dr. Weiss Coleman of WKI Institute about cataract surgery. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show and as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned all the way down so we can hear your questions and you can hear the answers. The number to call is 318-219-4569 and you'll see it at the bottom of your screen throughout the show. Good to see you again, doctors. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's Thanks good to be us. here. So we were talking um, a little bit earlier in the midday about LASIK and SMILE. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more and talk about the difference in case someone didn't catch that? Yeah, sure. You know, LASIK, so all these procedures are to get people out of glasses. Mm -hmm. You know, you're nearsighted, I mean, you can see up here, or you're farsighted, you can see way off at a distance, you can't read up close. Uh, what we can do is we have different lasers and different procedures where we can change the shape and the focusing power of the cornea. So we can take people who can't see at a distance and get them seeing really well at a distance. And those that can't read up close, we can also help with that. And LASIK and SMILE are two <laughs> separate procedures in the fact that we're still using a laser to reshape the cornea. It's just one of them. We create a very thin flap and do laser. And the other one, we can do the laser without creating a flap. Okay. And so LASIK came first <coughs> and then SMILE came later. Is that true? or? maybe 25 years later. So it was like, yeah. that's so, definitely. Yeah. So that was because of that advancement or were there's all kinds of things in the works the whole time? Like it was sort of, progress? it was sort of a natural progression, yeah. but I think SMILE was a little bit of a paradigm shift because it enabled you to, to do it with one laser. Uh, you know, it was around, in, in the US, we get things last typically because the FDA takes a long time to approve this stuff. That's bad because we, we want this stuff soon, but it's good by, because the time, by the time we get it, <clears throat> we have a whole lot of data to go on. It's well tested. We know the safety profile is excellent. That's the case with SMILE. I think that SMILE is not necessarily better or worse than LASIK. It's better in some people, so it's good to have that option. But then LASIK is the clear-cut choice in other people. So uh, once we got SMILE, it was nice because those people that we knew were better for that, we had that option for them rather than just putting everyone in the LASIK bucket. So we ended up doing probably a 20 or 30% SMILE, still uh, high percentage LASIK. But for the people that SMILE is a clear choice for, we have it available and it's a great procedure. The outcomes are essentially equal. It's just figuring out, depending on the d specific measurements, that person's lifestyle, uh, which they're going to be better suited for. Okay, and does age or age have anything to do with it? And, and lifestyle in what way? How active they are or what really, what are some of the deciding factors? So a lot of it's gonna be lifestyle, you know, mm -hmm. what people do and, and when, Whenever you've had eye surgery, you know, you, you, you now have a little point of uh, potential weakness. Mm -hmm. And so with a flap as it's healing, you know, of course, there's a chance that the eye could be damaged with certain type of activities. And like Dr. Coleman was saying earlier, like our Navy SEALs, UFC fighters, things like that, we try to stay away uh, from LASIK if we can, because even though it's a very small chance, you know, we want to make sure that uh, there's no trauma to the eye. And most of it has to do with the refractive error, meaning how much nearsightedness or farsightedness somebody has, and also how thick their cornea is. And that's the nice thing about SMILE, and it's not that it's just so much better than LASIK, but it's another tool uh, in our toolbox to be able to offer this procedure to a wider range of patients. And, and there's also PRK, which is one of the older procedures oh. where it's kind of like, it's LASIK without a flap, but we, we brush the surface of the eye, we scrape that surface layer off and then do the laser. That works very well too. 
it's just a little longer healing process, you know. So we have a, a mixed bag of uh, tools that we can use to get people seeing better. Yeah, I haven't heard PRK in a long time. I haven't heard anybody talk about that, but I remember hearing about that when it happened. And um, so, do you think it's important? Do you get some people that you really have to remind them really what went on with your eye and the healing and taking care of it after it happens is so important. Well, you do, and especially the, for the first week or so, <clears throat> that's what's really critical. Yeah. Especially after LASIK, because a flap, trivial trauma can sort of move it around for the first week. Now, after that, it's pretty hard to mess it up. You know, we have to remember that when we talk about flap-related complications, I've probably only seen one in my whole career when someone's dog scratched her in the eye, lifted her flap up. It looked like a disaster to me. You know, we rinsed it out, smoothed it, smoothed it back, and she was 20-20 the next day. Oh. So even in the worst-case scenario, the outcome is usually excellent. And there's 12 or 13 million flaps in the U.S. on people's eyes, and we just almost never see any problem related to it. So modern LASIK with all laser LASIK is extremely safe, extremely safe. But I think those people who are in extreme conditions, uh, professional athletes, you know, special forces, it may be good not to have a flap because okay. if you did have something wrong with it, you wouldn't want that to happen, you know, and, you know, deployed on a mission right. somewhere. That yeah. would be bad. And there's something you have to consider that. Right. Okay, well, here we go. Your calls have started. Nancy, thanks for calling. What's your question? Hello, hi. Yeah, I was, um, I'm very interested in that. I'm 60 years old, but I'm very, you know, I'm very young actively, you know, and, and I like to read a lot, you know, the telephone and all that. But, but what kind of insurance or how much does it cost? So LASIK is about $2,000 an eye on average. You know, that's about what you're going to find it being. Um, and at 60, you know, it's interesting because as we, as we get older, of course, we all develop cataracts. That happens. It's a reward for birthdays. So when anybody is over the age of 50, actually, and they come in for a LASIK evaluation, what we're looking at is, you know, how well you see, what your refractive error is, meaning what you wear in glasses, and if you have any eye pathology, you know, things like glaucoma, cataracts, you know, macular generation, things like that. And so most patients, uh, when they hit their 50s, will be able to see those changes of cataracts. And the benefit of that is, is that then suddenly you're a candidate for cataract surgery with an, a multifocal lens, you know, so it's it's like having LASIK as we get older. You know, we're able to remove your lens, put a new one in, allowing you to see distance, intermediate, and near. And I know that's way more than the question you ask, but I'm just throwing out that there's also other things that are available even beyond LASIK and, and SMILE as we get older. Right, right. I, I've been told that, that the cataracts that I could, um, that I could, they could do the surgery for that once it gets a little worse. It's not too bad yet, but my my vision is, is you know, is just uh, I've never had eye problems. It's just the age thing where I can't read, you know, oh, sure. uh, without my reading glasses and all that. But I am developing some cataracts. But he said it wasn't bad enough yet that he could, um, if I waited a little bit longer, that I could get it done through my insurance or something like that. But, yeah, absolutely. So insurance will cover cataract surgery, you know, and so will will Medicare, you know, once you get to, to that point. Um, right. But, but if you came in to our clinic and said, I want to be out of glasses, 
and if we found any cataracts in you, we would recommend cataract surgery. So even though the cataracts may not be ripe, quote unquote, to take out because your symptoms aren't bad enough, if you were wanting to get out of glasses, that's what we would do first. And because right, it's, it's much easier and more predictable to do LASIK after cataract surgery than cataract surgery after LASIK. So, you know, when you're on that fence post right now, <laughs> even though you don't need to have the cataracts removed, if you wanted to get out of glasses, that's what we would recommend. Yeah, that's the main issue, problem. I, I want to be out of glasses. It's just I can't find my glasses. Uh, they make my my eyes hurt after giving me a headache. You know, all, it's just it's terrible. Um, so um, I'm glad for the information. I'm glad to have seen you guys today and been able to talk to you. Um, and I'm going to keep you in mind. Willis Martin, right? Yes, ma'am. You can go to thecataractsurgeons.com and you can find our information there. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right. Thank you, Nancy. And thanks so much for calling, Nancy. We appreciate it. So let's talk about cataracts since yeah. that came <clears throat> up. Yeah, it's a common question. Yeah. So it's a common scenario where someone comes in. This happens every day of the week where someone comes in and they said, I've always wanted LASIK. I've been stuck in my glasses my whole life. And um, they say they come in, but they're late 50s early 60s and so they may have some degree of cataract there that's that's blocking their that's limiting their visual potential now every now and then you have somebody who's in their 60s who really has almost no cataract um, they correct to 2015 with a prescription and we say LASIK's a better choice for you because you're, you're years away from cataract surgery but one of the worst things you see happen is that where someone goes and gets LASIK and then they show up in our office a year later and they've had a change in their vision, well, it's because of cataract progression. That mm -hmm. cataract progression was already occurring before they had their LASIK done. Well, now you're, you, you just had LASIK, and now we're trying to do cataract surgery. It would have been much better to do it in the opposite order, like Dr. Shelby said, and probably not do LASIK at all because we can have a very precise result with cataract surgery now, too. So people who've been nearsighted, farsighted, astigmatism, dependent on reading glasses, those things can all be solved with cataract surgery with a high level of precision about equivalent to what LASIK is in terms of accuracy. So if someone is close to the age of cataract surgery, typically we would do that. Um, you know, but if you're younger, then you'll definitely fall into the LASIK category, but it is a continuum, you know. Okay. Some, the, there's a lot of crossover between the two now, but the results are, are, are very similar and they're very good. Okay. We have Trinada on the line. Hi, Trinada, thanks for calling. What's your question? Uh, I wanted to know, uh, because if I have this, I do want to wear glasses. I figure like I look better wearing glasses. <laughs> but hear that a lot too. Yeah, we sure do. <laughs> uh, 1999, I had brain surgery. I had brain surgery, and uh, I, I'm legally blind. So I used to, I wear bifocals. I used to could read a little, but my sight then got real worse, and I went to the eye care and had exams. He said I had cataracts on both of my eyes, so I know why I couldn't read no more, <laughs> read the Bible or anything. So she says, when I go back to eye care, September 6th, she's going to refer me to have these cataracts off my eyes. But I'm 63, and I got cataracts on both my eyes. I'm legally blind. So, you know, if, you, if you've got division loss, from the previous brain surgery, that is probably something that's not going to be corrected. This probably is what it is, but you know, when you have cataracts on top of that, anybody who has a reason for vision loss besides cataracts and they get cataracts on top of it, it sort of just compounds the problem. So um, 
You know, people have but visual field f I'm, defects. I'm, excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm Miss Bennett, but I used to read. Is that what I'm saying? Sure. I thought my sight was getting worse, but I can't read my Bible and stuff no more. I used to. Could, but if it's gotten worse, and it's because he's scattered on my eyes. Right. And I think that if you got to the point where you can't read, that's a compelling reason to do cataract surgery. Um, and there's a good chance you'll be back to where you were before the cataract started to develop because usually if people have decreased vision after something like a brain surgery or a stroke, that usually stays the same. It, it doesn't change over time. So if it's changing and you've got cataracts, I wouldn't hesitate to get the cataract surgery done. I think it would make a dramatic difference in your vision. Um, and a lot of times I hear this, the same thing that you said. People say, I like the way I look in glasses, so I don't want to be free from glasses after cataract surgery. And I always say, you know, you don't have to visually debilitate yourself to be to wear glasses. You can just wear them for looks. You know, celebrities do it all the time. You can just wear clear glasses if you like the way they look. But I still encourage people yeah. to try to achieve the, the highest level of glasses independence they can. That way, if you lose them, you break them, uh, you don't have them around, you can still function, do everything you need to do. So if you had a lot of astigmatism or something, I would still recommend correcting it at the time of cataract surgery, give you the best possible outcome without glasses. Then if you like to wear them for looks, then great, you can get a pair, but you wouldn't be dependent on them. So, that's what I'm saying. When I go back to my eye, the eye care, she's going to refer me to have these cataracts off my eye. Well, we, see, to it we see a lot of patients from refer, referred over from eye care, so you'll probably end up seeing one of us, and um, we'll look forward to it. I, uh, if, if not, ask for us. Okay, thank you. I see your name. Wait a minute. Your name was up there. I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm Dr. Coleman. This is Dr. Shelby. And the, uh, Shelby. the doctors at Eye Care do a great job. We, we share a lot of patients with them. Okay, all right. I know my sister had, and I was asking her about it, but she didn't tell me much. Okay, all right. Thank you. We'll be looking for you. Have a good day. Thanks yeah. for the call. Thanks for the call. Hey. You too. Thank you. And so that was an interesting call too. When you mm -hmm. think, bring up those, you do get a lot of patients who really like the way they look in glasses. They do. They don't want to be dependent on them. They really like them, and it hasn't occurred to oh, them maybe. You hear that some? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We hear it, like I said, at, at least once a week. Yeah. Say, I don't like the way I look in glasses. It's yeah. Like, hey, but Usually, like, the people who like the way they look in glasses get used to not wearing them pretty quick, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet they get used. Or they'll to say, it. "Man." Uh -huh. I'll, Wish I didn't have to wear these glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say I like looking glasses. Yeah. I changed my mind. Okay. Uh, we have Chuck on the line. Hi, Chuck. What's your question? Hey. Hey, Doc. There was a lady that I saw at the hospital. She told me since I was diabetic. To take cinnamon pills. What do y'all know about that? No. What what type of pills did she tell you to take, Chuck? Cinnamon pills. Cinnamon. Yeah. You know, um, not a hundred percent sure. You know, cinnamon has been shown to have some beneficial uh, health effects, but you know, of course. Diabetes has to do with insulin levels and, and glucose, and so, and I'm not 100% sure where the correlation between cinnamon and insulin is. Um, if you're not sure about it, I wouldn't do it, and uh, because as far as I know, there's no uh, harm or benefit that has been, you know, at least published in peer-reviewed journals talking about 
the positive effects of cinnamon. Uh, it, it is a bit anti-inflammatory, but you know, a lot of times as we get older, we end up getting on a lot of medications and supplements anyway. So adding an extra one sometimes can just be a little bit uh, cumbersome. You know, but the, the key with diabetes is making sure that you keep track of your blood sugar. Uh, you know, and you, you eat right and use your insulin or other medications as prescribed. Okay. I hope that helps. So that business, so that business about if you take seven cinnamon pills, you won't need dialysis medicine. No, sir. That's not true, is it? That is, that is not true at all because, you know, you, diabetics need dialysis because your kidneys can't filter your blood any longer. And if cinnamon were to correct all that, and I wish it would, none of us would have a job, you know. And so a lot of that is, is it, it's, yeah, it stay, you got to stay on dialysis. Uh, cinnamon won't do it. All right, thank you. All right, Chuck, you're welcome. Uh, thank you, Chuck. Thanks so much for calling. And if you just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Shelby and Dr. Coleman about cataract surgery and ways to help you see better. So we're talking about cataracts and LASIK and smile, all kinds of um, ways to help us see better. And you were talking about just really how critically important is our eyesight. And you've told me some t stories about people, how important it is for them to really see better. They really fear losing their sight. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. We have a caller. Tim, thank you for calling. What's your question? Yes, hi. A um, couple of questions. Um, I was confused when um, I was interested in making an appointment there, but uh, it's my understanding neither one of you all see patients. Is that correct? Definitely not correct. Yeah, we do Somebody see Somebody told you that. We need to find out who that is. Or you don't see them the first time. It's my understanding y'all are specialists that only do the surgery is what they led us to believe. Or yeah, me to typically. Believe. Me and my sister. <laughs> we both got. We both have uh, several people in our office that we work with. So we, t me and our Shelby tend to see pretty much surgical evals. So they may they may end up coming to the, see the optometrist first. But um, you know, we always have a rule. I do it at my office anyway. If you talk to us on KTBS. You know, we'll do whatever you want us to do. So tell them you were on TV and we'll get you in. To see one of y'all. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And, and my second question is uh, I've been going to a, a doctor in Beaujor and, and he's been perfectly fine. Um, but as I'm aging and that's going to be my next thing is the cataract, is the equipment that he would be using at Beaujor, you know, uh, different or let me ask it this way is your equipment do y'all specialize in something or is your equipment from when you discuss it something better that the services would be and the outcome would be better with your facility at at willis and bozier and the o and the cataract or there they have the same exact equipment that we have at the uh, at, at willis Eiton north <coughs> in our operating room which the key components of that are the, the cataract surgery laser, which does a few portions of the procedure more precisely than we can do it by hand. And then the aura system, which takes an intraoperative measurement. So once the cataract's removed before the new lens implant goes in, we can verify what power lens is going to put your eye in perfect focus with the aura. That's a critical component to, to hitting a perfect refractive target, meaning leaving you glasses independent after cataract surgery. They do have that at both Willis-Eiton locations, for sure. Um, so, yeah, we've got it both places. I think you'd have the same equipment. Um, 
I, I know the guys at Bozier do a great job. Uh, there's plenty of good cataract surgeons in Shreveport. You know, I'm a little biased. I prefer myself to other people to <laughs> attend to. Probably, yeah. Um, you know, Dr. Shelby, he's pretty good too. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think we do. Uh, I understand. Everybody's well, got a little bit different program. thing. They a little bit your, different. Your program's stuff. quite Im Your program's quite impressive, and, and oh, what thank you, you described is it's quite impressive. So, thanks, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and the, uh, I guess we ought to give the number out. Hopefully, he's still on, on the uh, watching the TV. It's, it's thecataractsurgeons.com. My office is two one two five nine zero one, and Dr. Shelby's two one two three nine three seven. Which one, whichever one is is closer for you. And um, the, the mainstay of what we do is cataract surgery. So mm -hmm. that's we're just about exclusive in that and LASIK and refractive surgery too. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about your team because often when we get to talk about that, we usually get like right at the end of the show and we get to really talk about how valuable everybody is from the moment they answer the phone, they pick up the phone or someone walks in. So there are other, you know, things that happen and, sure. and people that they talk to and may see, you know, for preliminary tests or anything to get ready to see if they're ready to have surgery or not. Let's talk about what it's like to come into what's the WK Institute about and, and well, how does it get to you? It, it is, you know, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself sure. with. And, and we have, you know, three different clinics and, and everybody's wonderful, mm -hmm. you know. And so when, when a patient calls and, you know, they hear, oh my God, you're not seeing patients anymore. It's not, it, like Dr. Coleman said, it's not true, but our specialty is in, and getting you seeing better, either through cataract surgery or refractive surgery. And so if we you know, fill time with, with routine exams, you know, suddenly we're pushing appointments back. And so we have a number of practitioners that work with us who um, will see patients initially. We still see patients, especially uh, the surgical ones. But you know, they come in and they, they use one of our technicians. You know, we'll take a patient through the whole screening process and then they'll generally see um, one of our associates and once that's done, then we'll take a look and we go from there. And so it, it's, a, it's a nice process from start to finish. And in the surgical process is just as good too because most patients spend 10 minutes with us, most of that they don't remember. You know? And so our staff over at the surgery center is wonderful. You mm -hmm. know, they've, they've been there a long time. Uh, they're very gentle, they're great nurses. You know, they, they, they provide an environment that's very relaxing uh, and it dispels a lot of anxiety. And we get that, they mention that to us all the time. They're like, oh my God, that was such a wonderful experience. Your nurses are great, you know. And yeah. so, and which is, which is nice, you know, it makes us look good. I think it seems to be rare. <coughs> yes. Especially with staff shortage and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We've had a crew that's been there for a long time. Uh, they, they're, they're real happy doing what they do and that makes a big difference. I mean, it's, it's really is amazing how almost everybody on their post-op visits, like that was great. Yeah. Yeah, everyone was super and nice, mm -hmm. and I will tell you, I hear, I hear all the time too that when people come in for a surgical eval in the office, they that we do a bunch of testing, mm -hmm. so it's not going to be a short appointment. I do get a few complaints about that, but you probably got an hour worth of testing just to be worked up for a cataract surgery, and that's mainly because we like to use a lot of data to go into surgery to try to give the best outcome possible to make sure that we understand how much stigmatism you have, what lens option is going to be best for you so we can sort of maximize results. And that's really a data-driven thing in modern times. Yeah. And it takes some time to, to gather all that data. And, you know, he mentioned that, that we don't see patients. Well, we do see patients, but we try to see mainly surgical evals from the, from the standpoint of those people, you know, you kind of want to talk to somebody for a while. This is a big deal, getting cataract surgery. You're only going to use your vision, you know, every day every waking minute of the rest of your life. So uh, the, that I like to talk to somebody for a while about that so we all understand what the, what the goal is going to be. 
before we do it and that that takes a long time so i really like to block out time for that so i'm not rushed yeah. and then the other thing we want to make sure of is at all of our offices that somebody's there five days a week you know during regular business hours if somebody has an issue post-op uh that somebody's available to take care of and that's true at all the locations so if we're in the or somebody's going to be there to see you if you have any issue or any questions yeah, and I think you're right. This is rare from, especially with the shortages and everything, but not only that, I think it's exceptional. Maybe not as rare, but exceptional, the Institute and what you've put together there and all of the people who want to work there like doing what they do. And even though you may not be seeing the patient as someone has in their mind that they're gonna come in and see you, um, I think it's even it's amazing and even better because as you we've talked about all the time to call you anyway but you may not even need a certain surgery not need that you come in to get your eyes checked you're treated and taken care of while you are still involved too but you're also doing surgery so you have people who are part of the team that do everything there so you're in good hands no matter what your your motivation is and your inspiration is to help people see better no matter what they need whether it's surgery or what and so that's what your whole team does. You walk in and you're taken care of because you don't really know what you're gonna need when you walk in there. You may think right. I'm going in to get surgery. I know what I want, but, uh, and you could walk into someone that's limited and might not know that and say, okay, you want the surgery, there you go. But here you are and you're gonna look at the whole picture and you're gonna spend time with them like well, you said. Well, there's a wide variety of other problems it could be too. Yeah. So, you know, that, might not and we really, if you need to be referred out to a retina specialist, something like that, you know, we, we do take care of that too. Yeah. yeah, and by the time they are spending time with you, they're so well-educated, they kind of know, and they have a good handle on what to ask, and it's gotta be a really comfortable feeling. Well, they're very well-educated because we play uh, recurrent episodes of Healthline 3 in the waiting room, so by the time they get back there, they're like a total expert on the subject. Hello, yeah. there's nothing better than learning yeah. from Healthline 3 and our that's discussions. What I, that's right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, now, we do so get the comments sometimes, like, I just saw you on the TV, how yeah. are you still here? That, we had to put a <laughs> sign up that says, right. Dr. Coleman is actually here. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, and the thing about the clinics is everybody cares. Yes. You know, and that comes across, mm -hmm. you know, from the moment somebody walks in the door, which is important. And we hear that nonstop. I mean, we we do that, and I know several people here, all of our friends, a lot of people have been to you for certain reasons, have you know, surgeries, and so, I mean, we even come across people all the time, because a lot of people um, have this, have these surgeries, have cataracts, have these, have LASIKs, have, ha they've learned to go and they don't have to put up with whatever surgery, they don't need the, oh, I've just got bad eyes, or it used to be the day, they didn't know they had that many options. Right. So we run into people all the time in the store, everywhere, who have had some kind of something done and they feel better and feel great. So it does make a difference, this service that you're providing to people sure. who think they just have to, like you said, we were talking about earlier before we got another call, that it's, we forget how critically important and how how scary it is to think of losing your sight. Sure. Well, you know, your, your sight's good until suddenly it's not. And yeah. then, you know, it's a scary deal. You know, a lot of patients would rather be dead than blind. And so, and, and the process of having surgery is a scary thought. You know, like my dad used to say, it's all minor surgery unless it's on him, <laughs> it's all major surgery, you know? Right. And so, you know, we, we make that process very easy for people. And like Dr. Coleman said, a lot of it's communication. Uh, I have a lot of patients where I'll explain to them what's going on. They're like, wow, that's the most explanation I've ever had from any physician. You know, because it's important for somebody to be involved in their own care, you know, and when they understand what's going on and why these things are happening, they feel more comfortable. Rather, it's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, the information's incredibly important. It really is. You just need to know, because a lot of times, um, before all this was available, a lot of people just kind of did what they, read or they were told to do or they did put up or they didn't ask the questions and now 
there's, it's all out there. And mm -hmm. to take the time with someone to make their own educated choice, it's, it's very empowering to know that I'm not just going in because a doctor told me I need to have this. I made the decision with my doctor. You know, no, another thing we see a lot of too is that <clears throat> if someone, maybe they had LASIK, had cataract surgery, didn't have the outcome they wanted. Mm. So in almost every case, this is sort of a focus of mine too, and our Shelby, we, we end up seeing these people, they get referred in or whatever, or they see us on TV and then come in. So almost everybody can have a good outcome. It's rare to have somebody that's got such a bad problem after surgery that it can't be corrected, whether it's with a LASIK touch-up, whether it's going back and, and fixing someone who had a bad outcome from previous LASIK. Those people really take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. You gotta do a lot of measurements and make sure that you've measured twice, cut once, and had a plan to get them to the finish line. But all, I hate to leave, have people in the world who've had a bad outcome from surgery, because <clears throat> that's not good press, even if it wasn't us that did it. <laughs> So I encourage people who, who have a bad outcome, come in, let us look, let's, let's see if there's something we can do to, to enhance it, because almost always there is, and a lot of times it's a really simple solution. I've seen a few people in the last few weeks that, that I talked to on TV, and it seemed like a complex problem. It was a simple problem, like a secondary cataract or a little bit of residual refractive error, and they've been like that for a couple years and living with it, and uh, you, know, you wish they'd come in sooner, but better late than never. And you don't know until you ask. So yeah. don't be afraid to don't think that just because I had this. I've heard that so many times before. I had it and didn't work on me. Right. Go back and yeah. see what else that you can do. That is unlikely. Or, yes. or somebody. That was way back in the day. Right. You know, but they or, just didn't go for it. Well, they just, you know, what we hear a lot, somebody told me they couldn't do anything. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you know, that's what we do is, you know, our whole goal is to get somebody, like he said, to the finish line. And if your visual potential is better than how you're seeing right now, there's no reason we can't get you there. But like you said, it's about asking the right questions. Coming in, let us take a look. Right, and, and your, your expected outcome too, it's just like that's why the education comes in. You go in, you pretty much know, and then when you have it done, then you experience that, and then if there's questions, come back and see if there's anything you can do. Exactly. And get yep. better, yeah. But like I you said, hardly ever doesn't work. That I guess we should happen. plug the website in the yeah, last so let's 30 do that. seconds. Yes. So How do we reach these guys? .com and I'm 212-5901. And I'm 212-3937. And, and be sure and we call. have you know, three different locations, so whatever is easiest for patients. Uh, yeah. All right. Any questions at all, call and find out. Thanks for joining us on Healthline 3. Have a great afternoon, and we will see you next time.